to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. All right. Hey, we got a special night tonight. Um, uh, Because it's kind of back to school time, uh, we got a back to school thing happening next Saturday night here. We're going to do a back to school blessing. But I thought I'd kick off our back to school season by having our youth pastor, Mr. Justin Stover, come and share. So would you guys welcome Justin Stover to the stage as he comes and shares the word for us. Come on up, Justin. There you go, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. It's funny. Franny and I were talking in the back. It's funny how when the senior pastor is not preaching, they talk more uh, before for an extended period of time, and it is actually true. Uh, how are you guys doing? I have something else oh, to see, he's got one more thing. Do you want my notes? Do you just want to do it? <laughs> Hold on one second. I got to unlock my computer now. You guys doing good? Yeah? Summer is winding down, right? It's getting hotter, though. It's getting hotter later. Um, I feel like every year uh, it gets hotter later in the year, and then it lasts now into like almost October, right? I was trying to think last year, uh, when did we have that 117 degree, like two weeks? You remember that? We had to put the thing over the preschool. Had that happened yet? It was August. What was it? End of July. It was that time. So I feel like we had a little bit of a cooler summer, and uh, my wife and I were talking this morning. We're really excited for fall. We have a lot of things going on here in the church. There's a lot of things going on in the youth ministry um, that we're just really excited uh, to move into and step into this new season. Um, I was really pumped when Pastor Kelly asked me to share. I know all summer he's been going through uh, the Unshaken series. He's been talking out of the book of Daniel. Uh, When he had talked with me, he had asked me to just kind of put my own spin, I guess, on this in my perspective of the Unshaken series. Um, And so that's what we're going to do tonight. So let's just jump right in tonight. I'm going to be reading out of Acts, Acts chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 8. Just a few. Uh, A little context here. How many of you guys are familiar with the story of Stephen? Story of Stephen. A few of you. Okay. Um, So Stephen in the Bible was real fast. He was preaching uh, the gospel of Jesus and was doing these miraculous works. And he was actually, uh, there were some people that he was upsetting, and they lied about him, and they accused him of false things, and he wound up uh, getting stoned to death. Uh, he was just one person in a, in a larger group of Christians that were um, doing some missionary work. And so I'm actually going to talk about, in this passage, talks about what follows um, after Stephen's stoning. So here it is. Uh, Philip proclaims Christ. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, or when they heard and saw for the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Can we pray one more time? God, we thank you so much for tonight, Lord. I thank you for, God, this church here at Refinery, God. Um, Lord, have your way tonight, Lord. I just pray a blessing um, in this place, Lord. I pray that you speak to us, God. Um, God, I pray that these are your words and not mine, Lord, and that um, your will is just done tonight. We love you so much, and we're thankful, God, in your name. Amen. So one shaking, uh, the very first thing uh, that popped to my mind was like, what's 
what's shaky in life, right? What things, if we're talking about being unshaken, what are some of the, the shakiest things in our life? Uh, unfortunately, the first thing that kind of popped into my head was the Dodgers bullpen um, that happened today. Um, very shaky right now. Yeah, James loves that. <laughs> um, but I was thinking like, what, what are the really, really shaky things in life? And the big obvious one to me was earthquakes, right? How many of you guys felt that earthquake? Everybody felt it unless you weren't here, right? Big earthquake. Uh, when that earthquake happened, Christina and I, we had taken a little two-day vacation away, um, even without our child. Uh, my mom, and she's in the back, by the way, if you guys haven't seen her, that's my mom next to my wife. Uh, my mom was uh, nice enough to take our crazy toddler son for two days, and so we had a nice little getaway down in the Newport, Costa Mesa area, and we had gone to this restaurant uh, down in Costa Mesa, and we were having a really nice night, um, and all of a sudden, in the middle of our dinner, uh, things started moving, right? And, and at first, it's funny, because when earthquakes, when earthquakes start, you don't know immediately that it's an earthquake, right? Like, everybody ha- kind of has the same response. You sit there, and the very first thing that everyone asks is, are we having an earthquake? Because it's, it starts. It's, there's n- nobody ever knows that there's an earthquake going on right away. Because you're sitting there, and you think, like, did someone bump the table? Uh, what, did someone drop something heavy? And so your first response is, are we having an earthquake? And usually by, are we having an earthquake, right after is, we're having an earthquake. And that's what happens. And that's exactly what happened at the restaurant. And so there was a, a couple people in the back, a, an older group of people too, that uh, had drinking a couple margaritas actually. And, this is, <laughs> and they were really freaking out about the earthquake. And long after the shaking had stopped, they were still positive that the ground was actually shaking. Um, and it was not. But I, I started thinking about, like, what's weird is after the shaking had stopped, I had noticed, like, I was still a little shooken up, right? How many of you guys, that fear kind of lingers, right? Right? An earthquake, once it stops, it may stop, but inside I'm uneasy and I'm freaking out. I remember it was really weird because we were away from our child. I got a little one-and-a-half-year-old son, and it was kind of surreal having such a large incident like that happen and being uh, far away from our son. Um, but one of, the, one of the scariest things about those moments and those earthquakes is that you have no control, right? You can't get away from, I mean, the earth is literally shaking. When, when there's a fire, many times with a fire, you can have a warning in advance and you have an opportunity to evacuate an area. It's the same thing um, with tornadoes, oftentimes, you know, you, act, you get a warning. You have a heads up that something might be coming. Hurricanes is the same thing, but there's really no way uh, to be prepared uh, for an earthquake. And it's, it's scary. I remember that specific one, too, and I'd never heard this term before, and it actually upset me. But we were up in our hotel room, four stories up. It's kind of terrifying. But the news people were like, well, we think this was a prequake. What's a prequake? <laughs> I never heard of that term before. Like I heard of an aftershock, right? But now I have these earthquake people tell me like we think this is a prequake. And so that made it even harder for me, you know, everything's shaking and it stops, but I'm still shaking inside with the news people telling me that they think there's going to be a bigger one. I remember they said they said we think it's a prequake because uh the the first one we had, I think was it 2 days before, right? There was one up in a similar area up in Arrowhead, I think. 
Um, and then we had this one, which is a big one. And then they started saying that we think there might be a bigger one now. And so I remember just being really, really uneasy about what could potentially come. And I started thinking, like, that's kind of how life is, right? Life gets like that. We kind of get in these seasons where something shakes us up. It could be a financial thing. It could be something in a marriage or a relationship. But even when the, the immediate shaking stops, it has a tendency to stick to us, right? Earthquakes, to be really honest, in California are inevitable, right? We can't get away from that. It's kind of one of the things you know when you live here, like this earthquake area, and they happen. But similarly, trials, pains, and struggles, just living in this life, they're inevitable as well. What I've noticed is it's how we respond to these circumstances and these trials or these shakes in our life uh, that deems us unshaken or, or better, un unshakable, right? We want to be unshakable. So I just have three points tonight for you guys in regards to being unshaken. And, and my first point is this. When the things around you start shaking, you have to respond, right? You have to respond in some way, shape, or form. Respond to the things that are shaking around you in your life. It's really important to not react. I think when an earthquake happens, the, my initial response is to just get up and flail my arms and run somewhere. I don't know. There's nowhere to go, but I, that's what I think. And, and I want to react, but in those times when, when there's something like an earthquake, you have to pause and think. Those next 15 seconds can be super important, right, in your life. So it's how you respond to those things. It's important to not react. A reaction can oftentimes lack wisdom and understanding can lack wisdom and understanding when you're reacting. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. I don't want to be a fool when things start shaking, right? So you have to respond. And I started thinking about this story of, of Philip. After Stephen had been murdered and after he had been stoned, uh, the king of Israel at the time, it actually says he was pleased. The king of Israel was pleased with what had happened to Stephen. And so the following day, one of the largest persecutions in Israel uh, had begun. And so they were literally killing the men, and they were taking the women, and they were imprisoning people. And so the response by Philip and these other missionaries who had just watched one of their peers uh, be brutally murdered was to scatter, right? And then it says this, went about preaching the word. So they continued to do the exact same thing that Stephen was stoned for. I think their response was pretty simple, but when I was thinking about this, I thought about like the word scattering. It says... Those who scattered, right? And I, I kind of had this immediate connection to like, when you scatter, it sounds kind of cowardly, right? Like I remember being like 16 and you do all these mischievous things with your friends and the copper eagle, the security guard would show up in the neighborhood and we'd like scatter. That's what happened. Like we leave. And so it kind of piqued my interest and I wasn't looking to add any depth to this message. It was just out of my own curiosity to actually look up like the definition of scattered because I know what it means, but like I want to see the true definition. And uh, this is what it says. Occurring or found at intervals or various locations rather than altogether. So here's what's cool. I started thinking, okay, it didn't say they fled. It didn't say they ran and hid. It said they scattered. Those who scattered. What the enemy meant to shake and destroy and to ultimately stop actually sped up the process of the gospel being shared in that region. <clears throat> the, at this point when Stephen was, was getting stoned, the word scattered told me that the message they were giving was actually in one central location. 
was in the town, right? It was in this one place. But because of what had happened, they wound up spreading out, scattered. I see a little strategy here, right? Because they could have all run, they could have all ran to one similar place, right? Philip goes to Samaria, but it doesn't say that everybody ran to Samaria. They didn't run to the safe place. They scattered. And they began sharing the gospel. I love that. It's just one, that's all it says. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It's that easy. That's what they did. I think, Christine, we've been married two and a half years, and, and I am still learning how to be a husband. Um, it is not that easy. <laughs> um, but we're learning, and we're a young married couple, and I had asked her if I could kind of share with you guys. And right now in our marriage, one of the things that I'm working on to be a little vulnerable with you guys is responding rather than reacting. How many of you guys know that's important in marriage, right? Responding when the things in your marriage or the walls of your marriage begin to shake, it's important to respond and not to react. Um, and your response or reaction can heavily dictate the next 30 minutes to like 30 days of your marriage. And so it's better to figure it out sooner than later. The response is super important. But I'm the type of person, and this is one of the trends that I know I have to work on in our marriage, is I like my, my downtime at home. I really do. I'm, I'm a sports fan. Um, I realistically could find any game, uh, and I could find any reason to watch any game. You know, whether it's a player I like or a team I like, it could be a team I really dislike, and I'll watch it just to watch them lose. Um, and I, could, I can find a million reasons to watch any, any sporting event. And so we'll have some days where we'll be out, and we'll go out, and we'll have a family day, or we'll both be working, and we'll come home, right? And I have my place on the couch, and I, I sit a certain way every time, and I get in my zone, and it's my I-don't-want-to-be-bothered zone, Sometimes I ask Christina, and I, I think she's caught on to this, but sometimes even like when I want to set this time up, I'll be like, babe, do you need to go to Target tonight? Like, do you need to go, do you need to, go to Target and walk around? Because she'll go to Target for three hours, and that's like a perfect time for a 980 baseball game. If she leaves at this time, Jaden goes down at you know, 7.30, game starts at 7.15, missed the first half an inning. She can go to Target, come back at 10, and it's good, right? So I get, I get in this, this space, but... But once, once in a while, I'll sit down on the couch, and I want to watch a game, and she'll be, you know, sometimes doing nothing. But I start, my heart rate starts to increase when I see her do one of two things. If she gets up and goes to the kitchen, and I start hearing dishes being cleaned, or if she goes into the, the, our little cupboard closet where we have all our cleaning supplies. And I don't know what it is, but if my wife starts cleaning when I'm doing nothing, I start getting upset. Because my, my, my expectation is that, she's going to start getting annoyed at me for doing nothing, right? And I don't even know if that's true. Sometimes I think it is, but, but I start getting worked up inside, right? And there's certain tasks that I'll be sometimes asked to do that I'm like, you don't need two people for that. I don't get like, and, and, and I, I, I talked to her about this, so this is fine. I know I'm talking to you guys into my marriage a little bit. But like, there'll be certain things like the dishes, right? I'll do the dishes, and if I do the dishes, I'll do them, and I'll dry them. And, and she'll, she's just the time she wants, right? She just wants to connect. But sometimes she'll ask me like, babe, can you dry the dishes while I wash them? I'm like, and I'll, I, I will react, and I get upset, and I act like an eight-year-old child because it just, I feel like she's infringing on my space. But I've learned... <laughs> That if I slow down and I realize that these next 15 seconds after her request are super important to how the next hour to 30 days of our marriage is going to look. And it's taken me a little longer than I thought, it is, right? 
And I don't even have to respond. And I've even learned that, like, hey, there's different ways I can respond. But a response is appropriate, right? Because if I react, I'm lacking wisdom and understanding of the situation or lacking wisdom and understanding of my wife's request. And so I have to slow down and I respond to the things that are shaking or that could potentially shake our marriage. Because if I do react, I do know that the next few hours could be really shaky hours. And sometimes those hours go late into the night and we have to work on them the next day, right? And they carry over. But I do know that a response, when I respond appropriately to her, our marriage comes out stronger. We're not shaking, we're stronger. And I've noticed that pattern. And so a response is important when the things around us start shaking. My second point I have for you guys tonight is this, is to stay focused. Stay focused and don't lose sight of your foundation. Stay focused and don't lose sight of your foundation. Psalms 112.7 says this, uh, they will have no fear of bad news and their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Most of you in here, if you are believers, some of you may not be, but most of you in here, right, uh, probably have a time in your life that you can think back to that was a foundational moment in your walk with the Lord. Anybody? A moment you can just recall in your mind, like, I, this was either maybe the day I got saved, or this is the day that God healed me or, or freed me from this. Uh, this is the day that God restored me. We have those foundational moments that connect us to God as our foundation, right? One of the things about Philip and his friends, right, what do they do? They stay focused to their foundation, they stay focused in the midst of the trial and realistically the terror and the horror of, of what was going on. Again, they had just watched one of their best friends, one of their peers, be martyred, brutally stoned to death. But they stayed focused on their mission. Here's the thing. If you're focused and, and, and you're focused on your foundation in Christ, you're focused on your foundation in God, if you're truly focused, can I tell you this? You'll beat fear. I think one of the things, if I could ask Philip if, if he was here right now, and I said, hey, like, weren't you, weren't you a little scared after that had just happened and, and everyone was going out and, and killing all the crew? Were you, were you scared doing that? He'd probably say, yeah. He'd probably say, yeah, right? I'm a bigger, I'm a bigger guy. I'm 6'3", plus the two, 200 pounds, and, and I feel like I, I would have been scared. And if Philip's any bigger or, or than me, like, I'm sure he was probably scared. Like, I would be scared to do what he did. But it, it's not about... Not being scared because it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience the fear or, or the trembling or the doubt whenever you're going through shaky seasons of your life, right? But it means that you can come out unshaken and that fear and that doubt can be beat because there's, here's the thing, unlike God, any fear or doubt or, or worry um, is, is shakable. You can shake those things. When I was... Uh, in my second semester of college, at the time it was Life Pacific College, I was there and um, I had gone through a crazy season of life to get me to the college and I wound up being a freshman at 23 years old and I did my first semester. I came in the spring of 2015, 14? 14. One of those days. And, and so I did, I did spring, or one of those years. Um, I did the spring semester and then I did summer and then I came back for the fall. Uh, Many of you don't know this, but it was really hard for me to get into that college just because of my past. I had to have multiple pastoral references and transcripts changed around from another school that was giving me problems with letting my transcripts go. And it was just a really, really, really difficult 
season getting me into that school, but I knew, and I still know this, I got into that school because that's where God had called me to go to school. Second semester comes up, and we're about a month out of the end of the semester, so I started in January, did my first semester, had summer, went back, had all my new classes. The month left in the second semester, I got an email from the finance office that said, I was short $2,300 of my school payment. And if I couldn't do that, I couldn't register for my next semester's classes, right? If you're a college student, when someone tells you, hey, you got to give me $2,300 or you can't come back to school, you're already losing right there. And so I remember, I read the email, and I don't think I actually initially responded even to myself. But I remember, like, I do remember crying, and I remember sitting there, and I was like, man, like, God, you called me here. Like, I'm supposed to be here. Um, and so I just felt the Lord tell me, hey, you need to be focused. I had uh, finals coming up. Any college students, right? Finals were coming up. And I was in the season of like studying for finals. And then I was just told that you might not be able to register for next year. And so I had all these things going on. But I just knew, God, you've called me here. And if you've called me, I'm going to be focused on what you've called me to do. Three weeks went by. And it was literally like, I think, the Friday before the week of finals. And I got another email. And it was from the president's office. And they said that, they had requested my presence or something fancy like that in the president's office. And so I was immediately thinking, like, am I in trouble? Like, but I know the president of a college isn't like a principal. It's the president of the college. I don't know why I'm going to the president's office. And so I kind of nervously uh, closed up my laptop and walked across campus and went to the president's office. And when I got up there, there was a group of about six or seven other students. And the president of the school had told us, like, hey, um, you guys are the seven students. We uh, were informed that we're notified that you guys were short on your finances. And someone had made an anonymous donation to cover all of our financial shortages. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember I'm kind of laughing too because I had to go up and Christina was in the office and that was in between the time when she told me she wasn't feeling it. And uh, so she was up there. I think she might even handed me the check, to be, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so that was kind of weird. But I just knew, God, I stayed focused on what you would ask me to do. You know, I, I stayed focused on the task at hand. You got to know your foundation. You got to know what, what your foundation is placed in. And my third point is this. And Franny, if you want to come up and just play the keys for a little bit, where are you? Put her camera down. My third point is this, is the world needs an unshakable church. The world needs an unshakable church. I was kind of nervous some of my junior hires were going to be here today. <laughs> we do pizza. Every Thursday, out front of the grass over there. It started, I think, in February. Pastor Kelly had noticed some kids walking by, and we live so close to the junior high, so we're in a great location. And uh, at the time, a buddy of mine um, had went and we bought, I think, like five pizzas. And we're like, let's just stand out there um, and just pass out pizza to the junior high kids. I don't know, like, they walk by, like, what junior high kid's going to say no to pizza, Right. And so, uh, a lot do, actually, which is weird. <laughs> More than when I was younger. Um, we'd set up a little table out there, and we had five kids. Showed up, and 
we just kind of talked, and they stood there awkwardly with their hoodies on, and it was too hot outside to be wearing a hoodie, um, and just kind of told us how they were like into anime and Pokemon and all this stuff, whatever. But I was like, hey, I think we'll be out here next week too, so tell your friends. And so we bought more pieces the next week, and we actually went to the other side of the grass, and we had more kids and more kids. We did every week, um, and we have a large group of kids that come and do pizza. I was telling uh, James Grove earlier, I think yesterday I counted, I took the little clicker out, you know, try not to be weird so the kids don't know I'm counting them. I got it in my pocket. And I counted 45 kids. Out of that 45, we have about six or seven. Man, I'm crying more than I thought. <laughs> I love these kids. <laughs> we got about five or six that have gotten really close to us and to the church. And Pastor Kelly's met them, and we've had the privilege of meeting some of their parents. Um, and I remember, it's a shoot, it was probably... Five weeks into us doing this whole pizza thing, and I had sent a couple of the kids. These kids want to feel trusted. That's one of the things I've learned. They want to feel trusted. They want to feel seen and understood. And We had run out of drinks, and so I had told some of the kids, I said, hey, go to the garage. Here's my key, and go get some drinks, right? I didn't even know if I should have done this. I was like, I hope they don't take anything. Like, all the stores in there, I don't really know these kids, but, like, I just felt like I needed to do it. And... Uh, so the kids ran up this way, and they went down, and they found him. Well, I saw him bump into Zoraida. Is she in here? Oh, there she is. I saw him bump into Do you remember this? And my first thought was, oh, no. Like, did they do something? Like, because I saw Zoraida talking to him, and it was like, I hope, like, hope she's not upset that I just let him into, like, our, our secret storage space. Like, you go take more drinks. Um, I didn't know. I really didn't know what to expect. And so they came running down and seemed totally fine. And one of the girls was like, who is that lady up there? And I was like, Zoraida, why? Like, I didn't know. And she's like, she goes, she was just so nice. And she literally said, like, I've never felt so loved. But these kids, after knowing them now, we've had... We had one call us, and she had a panic attack, and we picked her up. <laughs> you know, she comes over. She's a mess. We love her to death, but she's a disaster. Her parents are a mess. She tells us everything. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I can't believe, like, you're still alive. Like, this is crazy. But she comes in, and she shares her story, and we have a handful of them now that just talk to us and tell us all these things, and we've had the opportunity to show them, like, hey, like, you know, when, when her name is Natalia, when she came over, me and Christina both told her, like, we've been through this stuff. You know, we've, we've experienced, not all of, but thank the Lord, but a lot of what you're going through. And I noticed, like, man, we need to be that unshakable church for the community, for the people that don't know. Yesterday, actually, I was telling Pastor Kelly, uh, I was trying to like finalize my sermon, and so I had actually had a meeting with another youth pastor friend of mine, and when I came back, like I had 
I needed my time to like prep for this, right? And I come over and we were walking back from Starbucks and I saw one of my junior high kids right here from the school. And I'm like, oh, I kind of was like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> I have stuff I have to do. Like, I can't just chill. Because they'll literally just sit here. Like, they'll just, they'll just sit here. Um, <laughs> and I just, they'll, like, do something. Or, like, they'll literally just, like, I mean, they've kind of, they feel like they own the place in here. It's, I have to tell them to stop throwing stuff and stand away from the computers. And they play hide and seek and tag. And they crawl under the chairs. But yesterday, I wound up spending uh I mean, they were probably here for like three hours, and one of them wound up coming up to our house, and her dad picked her up at six, um, and the whole time, like, it's I had three hours I could have had to, like, do this, like, I needed to really do this, and I actually had the opportunity to sit down and just kind of tell them a little bit about my life and who I am and who we are, and they're interested, you know, and I think sometimes it was funny as I told them, like, dude, I don't have it together. I've been broken I've walked through seasons and it's interesting though because they ask questions and they go well how are you still like so happy and how do you still like they ask me all the time we don't know why you guys love us they say that all the time ask me and Christina like don't we bother you guys and I'm like no sometimes it's like a little much um but but like we we do love them and and they don't know though they've never felt this they've never experienced this this sense of like unshakability on our end but it's just because we know. We know one more thing than they know. That's it. It's literally one more thing. And that's that our foundation's in God, not in the things that are happening around us. There might be uh, some of you in here, I know most of you guys are probably believers, or who have maybe found yourselves in seasons where things are kind of shaky, and, and you want to be unshakable, right? You want to be. It's, it's a nice thought. I think it's easier said than done. Um, but you want to be. You, you want to be sturdy and firm in your foundation in Christ, right? But what I want to do is I want to challenge any of you in here at all. If, if you're someone who, who struggles with being unshaken or unshakable, I want you to respond, really. Tonight, in your own alone time, or if your husband and wife talk to each other and identify the areas that are shaky right now. And respond. Don't react, even though it's easier and faster. It's not the long-term solution. Respond. The other thing I want you to do is to really focus in on the things that God has set before you. Focus. You know, you got to focus to be unshaken, right? And then know this, we're called to be un- an unshakable church. If I could get everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to wrap this up. But if there's anybody in here right now who maybe you're listening to this and you don't know the foundation that I'm talking about. Maybe you have kind of caught on to what I'm saying or who I'm talking about, but for me and for us here at Refinery, our foundation is in Jesus Christ. It's what we build our life on. It's what I have chosen to build my life on, my wife's life on, and it's the only sure thing in this world. And so if you're in here and, and maybe you 
want to have a stronger foundation, something that is unshakable, even when you're starting to shake. I just want to invite you to just look up at me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call you up. I just want to pray for you from up here. Just look at me. And the second thing I want to do is I want to ask you, if you just want to be a little stronger, a little more assured in your faith, if you want to fight to be unshakable, just just put your hand up in the air. So God, I thank you, Lord, for tonight. I thank you for, God, this opportunity to just be together, Lord. God, I want to pray for... uh, God, those who are following you, God, or who are seeking you and in trying, God, to be unshaken, Lord, I pray that there is just um, a sense and a feeling, God, of your grace on them. God, an understanding that you see them and you know them and in the midst of their consistent shakiness, God, that you love them. God, whether we shake or not, you love us. God, I want to pray for the group of people that wants to just experience you as their foundation, Lord. God, would you just meet them where they are, Lord? God, would you speak? Would you reveal yourself to them in a way, God, that they can understand and tangibly feel you, Lord? We love you so much, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for Refinery Church, God. I thank you for Bray. I thank you for the surrounding communities, Lord. And I pray that together, God, that we can be an unshakable people, Lord. We love you, God. We give this night to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.